Welcome to the Grove Church's message podcast. My name is Julie Penta, and I am the lead pastor of the Grove Church, which is located in Fort Collins, Colorado. We hope this message inspires you to live for Christ more fully. For more information, visit our website at thegrovecommunity.net and check out our Instagram, thegrovefc. One of my favorite parts about Christmas is the movies. Yesterday, we showed our three-year-old son, Trey, the new movie, Grinch. Has anybody seen it? The new one? Just a couple people. It's actually really cute. At the end of it, he said he wanted to watch another movie because he didn't like it, but he was entranced by it the entire time, and I'm going, buddy, what do you mean you don't like the movie? You sat there and watched the whole thing, and he said, the little green man was a really mean, I, so I didn't like it. I want to watch another movie. And so I said, ah, I don't know. I don't think we're going to watch another movie. I think he was just trying to be a little bit deceptive and say that he didn't like the movie so that we let him watch another one because most Christmas movies are pretty awesome. They are pretty predictable. They follow a standard plot line. They usually end pretty well. And so I came across this uh, thing on Instagram that I wanna put up on the screen. It was like how a, a movie plot generator, which I thought was really interesting. So you take one in each category, pick whichever one you want to make a pretty standard Christmas movie. And, and I got a big chuckle out of this. And I actually recently have watched this very movie. Um, a, a, a writer recently goes back to her hometown because because uh, she did, because there was this corporate closure that she was trying to stop from a family business or something, and she falls in love with some guy with a dog, and on the very bottom, I don't know if you noticed, but there's this section that says, and the old guy in town is, you know, there's a pretty good probability that he's actually Santa Claus. How many of you have seen one of these movies on the Hallmark Channel? We love Christmas movies, not because we're on the edge of our seats going, oh my gosh, how is this movie going to end? Are the boy and the girl, are they going to get together? Is Christmas cheer going to bring back Santa Claus and everything's going to be perfect? No, we're not on the edge of our seats waiting to hear how these movies end. But I think the reason that we love Christmas movies is because we can identify with that mess in the middle. There's usually some conflict. There's usually somebody that doesn't like Christmas because it's hard, because they've been burned in the past, because somebody that they love passed away. There's usually some reason why they aren't able to enjoy Christmas, and we can relate to this. Christmas has this uncanny way of highlighting the mess that is in our life. Last week, Nicole shared this quote. It's from a church in Utah that we have gotten some of the concepts from this series, and it is this. Christmas has a way of pointing out, of reminding us that there are problems in our life that we can't solve, that there are people we can't control, even though we would like to, and there are expectations that we cannot meet. Christmas has a way of reminding us of these very things. And yet, there are all these songs about how Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. And if you just did more Christmassy things, it would change the way that you feel. So the expectation, the communication is, if you were just to bake more Christmas cookies, you would feel better about Christmas. Or if you were to go out and buy more things for the people that you love, you'd feel better. Or if you'd watch more Hallmark movies, if you'd watch more Christmas classics, if you would have the right decorations, if you had a thousand lights, 
outside of your house that you could get in the Christmas cheer, in the Christmas mood, that you would have that joy of Christmas. And in fact, the movie Elf, and I quote, they literally say that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to what? Singing loud for all to hear. That's what we're told by our society. And I have to tell you guys, my neighborhood is so cool. I live in like a 1950s neighborhood where everybody shares their sugar with people. And I got a text, no joke. I got a text that my neighborhood is going caroling. It's literally like I'm in a Christmas movie. My neighborhood is going caroling. I wish it were this easy. I wish that Christmas would feel better, would feel differently, that it would feel less stressful, less chaotic, less depressing, less shameful if we could do these Christmassy things a little bit more. But we all know that that's not the reality. So how do we get to a place in our life where we truly do feel like Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year? How do we get there? Well, what if we stopped focusing so much on what is happening now and we started focusing a little bit more on what happened back then. What if we stopped focusing on all of the baking and the shopping and the movies and the lights and the fabulous Christmas sweaters, the things that are happening now, the circumstances in our life that we wish were different, the people that we wish were different, and we started focusing a lot more on what happened back when. Focus on what happened that first Christmas, rather than what is happening this Christmas. The best way to get in the holiday spirit and to bring that joy back in our life is to focus what happened that first Christmas rather than focusing on what is happening this Christmas. And in fact, the writers of the New Testament, this is what they did. They lived this out. So take John, for example. For instance, he was a disciple of Jesus. He was known to be the closest disciple of Jesus. And he spent three years traveling around with Jesus. They were best buds, they hung out, they had this group of 11 other people called the disciples that they spent a lot of time with. They traveled around, Jesus taught them all of these things and then he said, hey, go out and share these things. Live out your faith. Be a green space in this community, in this nation. And then they did that. They traveled around. They told people about Jesus. And yet, one day he had to watch as this person that he had put all of his hope and his trust into was killed on a cross. But he still continues to go out and spread the word about who Jesus was. And then as years go on, as years go by, he watches as all but one of his friends is killed for their faith, for going around and telling people, we want your life to be better. There's this God that loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. Please know this. You can have a different life. You can have forgiveness. You can have freedom. This is the best news of your life. But he watched as all of his friends were killed for speaking this very message. And then as if that wasn't the big kicker. In 70 AD, their town that they loved, their hub of humanity for them, the town of Jerusalem, was invaded by the Romans. There was this guy named Titus who came in and decided that he was going to overtake Jerusalem. 
Now, Titus was very strategic, and he was strategically really awful. He waited to invade Jerusalem until it was the Passover time, which was a Jewish festival, which meant that all of these people came to their hub of their religion and their nation to celebrate this together as a family. So Jerusalem swelled with people, and Titus was like, this is when I'm gonna take it down because I can kill more people because they are here inside these city walls. For four months, Titus had this new military ramming, battering ram that shoved out and shot out rocks. And for four months, they tried to break down the walls of the city. When they finally got in, they burned down their sacred, precious, amazing temple that they had had. They burned it to the ground and they believe that over a million Jews were killed in the siege of Jerusalem back in 70 AD. This for them was kind of like their version of 9-11 for us. There was a before and after. Their security was, was threatened. It was a huge big deal. And so John is writing a book in the context of all of these things going on that have already happened. And yet he decides to write a book about who Jesus was, what he saw him do, and why it mattered. And here is where we picked up the story in John 1, 1 through 5. It says this. And the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, meaning Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not yet overcome it. Now, I think you guys are going, um, hey, Julie, we, we're in this Christmas series called Let There Be Light, and so it's really standard. Maybe you, don't, maybe you haven't done the church thing very much in your life, but it's pretty standard around church time that we read a church in, a, in, a, in like a Christmas passage because it's Christmas, and you're not reading a Christmas passage, and you're like, where's the myrrh? Where's the shepherds? Where's the angels singing on high? Where's the frankincense? Where's the wise men? And, and I get it, I get it. I'll get there. I promise I'll read you a Christmas verse later on in the series. But John, he takes a different approach to Christmas. Nowhere in his book that he wrote about his accounts of engaging and being around Jesus, does he give any details about Christmas, which is really interesting and really frustrating all at the same time. Because when Jesus was dying, he looked at John and he said, take care of my mommy, take care of my mom, make sure she's okay. So John took care of Jesus's mom, Mary. Now, if anybody had access to the stories and the questions that we wanna know about Christmas, he could have asked her all of those questions. He could have been like, now the star, the star that those white, like, was it, did it actually move? How, like, was it special? Was it bigger? Was it purple? It, was Jesus born with hair? He could have been like, hey, Mary, did you know? Did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? That was funny, right? Some of you laughed. I actually stole it from another pastor, so I can't really take credit for it. But he could have been like, hey, Mary, did you know? Did, did you know? And yet he doesn't write all these details of their Christmas story because he was looking around and he said, my buddies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they wrote the accounts of it. They already did it. 
So I'm going to take a different take on it and I am going to tell you why. I'm not gonna tell you the details of Christmas, I'm gonna tell you the why of Christmas. And the why of Christmas is that Jesus came to be light in the darkness. Let there be light. We're struggling with light this morning. We know it's a really important thing. He said, let there be light. Let there be light. And I don't want you to miss this. By the time that John had written this book, he had experienced horrible things in his life. He might not have been in Jerusalem at the time that it went down, we don't, we don't know, but he for sure had friends there. He for sure had friends and family that were killed in the siege of Jerusalem. And he had already watched all of his friends, besides one, be killed for their faith. Talk about being in a time of darkness. And at the time that John wrote this book, he was living in a jail. It's not like he was sitting around, living in his Christmas jammies, singing joy to the world, eating cookies. He was writing it from jail. He was writing it from a place where he was able to see all of this darkness. And yet he says, in light of that, Jesus is still the light of the world. Just because I have these really dark circumstances going on around me does not mean that there is no light does not mean that Jesus didn't make a difference. He knew that Jesus actually made a difference. So, because I promised you that there would be a Christmas story today, let me write to you and, and read to you the Christmas story, okay? So, there's this guy named Matthew. He was one of John's buddies. He also wrote a book. And he decides to write it, having been called as a horrible tax collector. The tax collectors in Jewish society, nobody liked them because they stole money. They were like worse than the IRS because they could actually just make up these random numbers. At least the IRS has calculations for how much money they take from you, but they would just come and tell you how much money you owed them. Nobody liked them. And yet Jesus looked at this guy, Matthew, this tax collector, and he said, I think that you're worth it enough. I think that you would make an excellent disciple, so come and follow me. This is amazing. So if you think that you're not good enough to follow Jesus, if you think he doesn't love you because of the things that you have done, if you think that you're good enough, you're not good enough, I mean, you're wrong. And if you're still on the fence about whether God loves you or not, or whether you believe in God, that's okay because he believes in you. And I believe that he's moved heaven and earth for you to be here this morning, it is no coincidence. So keep coming back and keep hearing these stories about how there is a God that loves you and a God that called somebody that was a giant mess to serve him. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday or this morning. We are so glad that you're here and we encourage you to keep getting to know Jesus. So here is what Matthew says. Matthew's account of the story, of the Christmas story, the one with all the myrrh and the frankincense. So here's part of it. And we read from this in Matthew 1. It says, Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want 
to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. They gave him the name Jesus. Matthew, just like John, wrote this book later on in his life. He lived it. He lived this story. He saw all the bad things happen to his country and to his friends, and yet he also decided to write about this passage. Now, if he was just looking at all the darkness in his life and his circumstances, if he were to look at that and say, you know what, the Christmas story doesn't matter because I'm still living in dark times, he could have decided to do that, but yet he said, I'm living in dark times, I'm going through dark circumstances that I don't really enjoy or appreciate. I would like them to be different. Yet, I'm writing this story about when Jesus was born because it was the moment that the light pierced the darkness. It was the moment that the light pierced the darkness. And we see both John and Matthew saying, hey, I get it. I get where you are. I understand if your circumstances are hard, if there's problems that you can't solve, if there's people that are difficult in your life, if there's peace that's missing, I get it because I am right there as well. But yet, in the midst of all of that, I still believe, and my friends believed it with their life, that Jesus brings light into the darkness, that that is what he does. And what they were doing was they were focusing on what happened not on what was happening in their present. They said, you know what? What happened when Jesus was born, the fact that he brought life, light to the world, it drastically changes everything that has happened since. And it gives perspective to my present. What happened then, what happened then can change your perspective on what is happening now. What happened then, in that first Christmas, can change your perspective on what is happening in your now. They said, hey, no matter what darkness is going on in your life, whether your finances are not what they should be or what you want them to be, no matter if you're having problems in relationships, whether that's dating or marriage, kids, friends, no matter if your job isn't going the way that you want it to go, no matter if maybe you're ill or other people in your life are ill, God's light is bigger than all of that. And here is why. In the midst of all of that, in Matthew's portrayal of the Christmas story, he says, Jesus, 
His name was Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the other thing he says is that his name was Jesus, which means he will save his people from their sins. And when they are writing this, when John is listening to this and reading this, he's going, yes, that is it. I'm in jail right now. And I wish that my circumstances were different. Yet I still think that Jesus is the light of the world. And here's how this makes a difference in my now. He's sitting in a jail cell. He's not sure if he's going to live. And yet he says, Jesus is God with us. And this makes a difference in my now, in what is happening now in my life. Because there is a man who decided that I was valuable enough, I was important enough to be born, to go through all of the horrible parts that are, that are being human, like having the stomach flu and being tired and being portrayed and being gossiped about and, and having people that you love die and, and you dying. He said, you know what, all of that, it doesn't matter because you are more important. I am God with you. And he's still God with us. And I bet John was in that jail cell saying, yes, I wish that my circumstances were different. But Jesus is the light of the world. And he's here with me right now. He's here with me in this jail cell. He loves me. He cares about me. He's present. But I think our part and our problem is that we want God to be this magic genie that comes in and changes all of our circumstances. And if he doesn't, then we're not interested, forget it. And I, and I wish that I could tell you, hey, if you start following Jesus, that like God will come with this like genie wand and he'll just make everything better in your life. Well, we're not that kind of church because we're the honest kind of church. And sometimes life is hard. And sometimes there's problems that you can't solve. Sometimes there's people that you want to control, but you can't. And yet, Jesus is the light of the world. And I think if we could take that perspective of what happened then and how Jesus forgives us of our sins and gives us new life and gives us the ability to have eternity with him when there won't be any tears or sickness or death or disease, and if we can take it into account that God is with us now, that he loved us enough to be born and to be human, that he is right by the side of us when we're going through all of these problems, that what happened then can shape and change our perspective on what is happening now and bring back that light that we feel like we need back to make it seem like not only right now in the season of Christmas time, but all seasons of life, that it really can be the most wonderful time of the year because Jesus did come to bring light. And that light is bigger than all of those darknesses that are going on in your life right now. So this morning, as part of our God space time, we're gonna tie it together with Advent. We're teaching my kid about Advent, and it's really fun for me because he can tell us why we do Advent. He says, because he says, because we're tracking down the days till Jesus is born, and, and Christmas is Jesus' birthday. We talk about it every day, and that's what Advent is. It is this period of waiting, of not just showing up on Christmas Day and, and, and not having thought at all about what Christmas does in our life, of not just showing up and saying, oh yeah, what happened then? Like it kind of impacts my now, 
What if we spent this entire Christmas season dwelling on what happened, dwelling on the Christmas story, dwelling on the fact that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us, that he was Jesus, the forgiver of our sins. And when Christmas time, when Christmas day came around, that we really could experience that joy, that we might feel like it is the most wonderful time of the year because we feel his presence, we feel his forgiveness. And so last week, when, uh, when, I was, when I was not here, we lit the first candle, which is all about hope. It's the candle of hope. And we're in that time of hopeful expectation for the things that Christmas can do in our life. And so we lit that candle. And then this week, the second week, the candle is about faith. And Christmas does take some faith because we weren't there. We didn't see that tiny little baby born in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. We didn't see it. And so it takes a certain amount of faith for us to say, to live out the story that John and Matthew gave us, that what happened then really can impact our now. So we take that leap of faith and we light that candle this morning and say we wanna have the faith to believe that what happened then impacts, changes, radicalizes, influences what is happening in our now. So in the quietness of your seat, we encourage you to spend some time in this Advent season of reflecting, hoping, waiting, and ask God what he is telling you this morning about his light in your life. So take some time in the quietness of your seat to talk to a God that loves you and is with you this morning. is aware of those dark areas in your life. He's aware of the circumstances that you wish were different. But he is right there saying, I am the light of the world. There is already light. And my light is brighter and stronger than any darkness that you can be going through. And that no matter what is going on, I am God with you not just 2,000 years ago, but I am God with you today, right now, right here. Will you pray with me this morning? 
God, thank you so much for your word that you have gave us, which covers all sorts of things, like the details of your birth, but then the why of why it really matters. We pray that we would take it to heart this morning, that you are the light in our darkness, and that you are here with us right now. We pray that we would dive into that to spend time with you and take advantage of the fact that you are with us as Christmas approaches. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. If you were inspired by this message and would like to speak with a pastor, check out our website at thegrovecommunity.net for more info.